Hello and welcome to the Friday, January 3rd, 2020 edition of On Iowa Politics. Happy New Year. I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Brett Hayworth of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, James, and, and Happy New Year. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James, and Happy New Year, everyone. And Gazette columnist Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. Well, we're a month out from the February 3rd caucuses. Let the celebrations begin. It seems like a good time to talk about the caucuses, what's happening, what's likely to happen before the big night, and what the outcome will be. Before we get to that, we're going to talk a little about one of our favorite topics from the past year, one of our favorite political figures, 4th District Representative Steve King. The Chiron kid didn't have a great year, but he did it in such a way as to beat out Pitbulls to be named the Sioux City Journal's Newsmaker of the Year. Brett, in your interview of King, he seemed to open up, open up in a way I didn't expect from him. I was struck by this quote, not something I would expect from the Newsmaker of the Year. He said, quote, if I ever had a year that was a 10, this wasn't it. Is Steve King getting sensitive, getting in touch with his feelings? Um, he talked about trying to get back his committee appointments uh, that Republican leadership had stripped him from. Does that seem likely, or is that just wishful thinking on King's part? Well, I, w- I want to go back to the, the sensitive question. I, I, I will say, so this is two years in a row that, that the journal um, has um, been, uh, King has been named Newsmaker of the Year. Uh, a year ago, he was actually named as a duo with J.D. Scholten. Uh, the two of them were Newsmakers of the Year for their tight contest in, in that election. And this year it was him alone um, for you know lots of reasons for all the big news chunks that, that came out about him. But I was thinking back to when I interviewed him a year ago for that, and I I, I remember asking him something like like how'd your how'd your year go? Um, you know, just just a very you know very broad you know just let's you know just talk you know. And he didn't really go there. And so it's so, and then this time he actually you know he he gave he gave some comments. So. Um, now that I think about your question, maybe he is getting more sensitive. Um, you know, he he wanted he was in a more reflective mood. Maybe that's what I should say. So, um, as uh, as far as getting the, the committee assignments back, um, uh, one thing I wanted to do was was talk to Kevin McCarthy, who was the the House leader, who was the person who who jumped quickly to to take those. Um, uh, committees from him when after the New York Times article came out and um, wasn't able to do that um, uh, and was but I was reminded um, thanks to a to a very cagey editor that um, when McCarthy uh, <clears throat> announced this he said it was for the entire two years so in some ways King trying to do that is seems to be somewhat futile for for King trying to be getting getting his committee assignments uh, back seems somewhat futile uh, McCarthy was you know adamant that this is for the entire two-year term, although that didn't st- that hasn't stopped King from you know basically every town hall meeting over over the past year of bringing that up, and he was always kind of seemed like he was relitigating that in his op- opening comments of you know the 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 not regret but I guess the the bitterness he had about losing those um, those committees and 
and wanting them back. And, and again, in this interview, he brought that up and he mentioned, so that day I interviewed him, it was right before the Christmas break. And he had said just that very moment, that very moment, uh, morning, right before he came to, to do the interview with me, he had uh, people on the, and it was a phone interview, of course, sorry. Um, he had been on the house floor and there had been several Republicans who had come up and said, basically, Hey, how, what are we going to do to get your committees back? So, He's obviously still pushing that. He obviously still thinks there's something to be had. Um, uh, one more, as I'm thinking about this, uh, I was reminded that in that interview he told me that um, um, he said talking, he had talked to McCarthy about a month previously about getting the committee assignments back, but then he quickly said that's not really a productive conversation to have. So I guess he's kind of relying on his uh, his close um, allies in, in the House to, to get that, but it, it, it seems highly unlikely. Well, it, it, 2019 wasn't a 10 for Steve King. Uh, 2020 could be worse. Uh, he's facing a primary challenge, and so far the Iowa Republican establishment seems to be backing either his challengers or staying neutral. Uh, so how's it looking for King, Brett? Yeah, and, that, and that's a difference from, from previous times when he's had competitors. Um, um, when he, when um, 2016, when um, um, he ran against State Senator Rick Bertrand in, in a primary. Bertrand was a was a late entry, late entrant um, that didn't come until I think it was like March um, in that year. So very late before the primary, like only two months before the primary. But at that point, all the the hierarchy came quickly behind King, and so now you have um, people who are staying neutral, which you know, in some ways delivers a message. Um, you know that that they're they're willing to keep keep at arm's length, and you know that's a big turnaround. Um, you know, so I mean, it's not not as good as two years ago. That's I mean, that's how it's looking. Um, at that point, J.D. Scholten was still, you know, he was a relative unknown, and there was he was one of three Democrats that were running, and you know, we had no, you know, no way of knowing um, that, that King was was vulnerable as it as the year went on, and and here you you know, we have Randy Feinstra out raising. Uh, there's four Republicans running against King, and Randy Feinstra seems to be seen as in the top of that tier and he keeps raising money and we'll find out um i guess we're about two weeks away from finding another uh, quarterly campaign finance report period and we'll find out how Feinster did and jeremy taylor and the other people did as again a benchmark for the way to gauge how, how people are supporting king and you know it's there was a lot of republicans who didn't uh who voted for so the governor position was up two years ago a lot of republicans up here i think there was like a 10 to 15 percent gap in, in some counties where they w- would vote for Republicans who voted for um, Kim Reynolds and other, you know, like state house Republicans, but then didn't vote for King. So if those people are still predisposed not to vote for King this time, then you know, obviously he's got a he's got a tough race ahead of him to, to heading into this primary. I guess the big question is, will he make it a trifecta? Will he be uh, or a three-peat newsmaker of the year? We'll yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he beat, like, like you said, beating, beating pit bulls up here, that was a big topic. So that's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's something to hang your hat on. <laughs> that's right. Let's talk yeah. about those caucuses. <laughs> 30 days uh, or 31 days, I, I lose track sometimes, uh, away from the caucuses. Um, candidates often describe the campaign as a marathon, but I think we've reached the point where it's beginning to feel like a sprint. The candidate visits are coming fast and furious, and fundraising numbers show there's no donor fatigue, and the people or a number of people showing up at campaign events suggest there's no lack of interest and enthusiasm, unless you're Julian Castro, Vaya Candios. Julian, he was pulling at just 0.5% in Iowa, 
and in more diverse states where he seemed to think he would do better, he was at 1.5% in California and 2.7% in his native Texas. Uh, in other campaign news this week, uh, Marianne Williamson fired her staff but is not dropping out of the race. Uh, perhaps she's taking a, a lesson from Tulsi Gabbard, who's running her campaign on volunteers. It seems to be going well, so it could be a new trend for campaigns. Uh, raise, raise no money and hope the volunteers come through for you. Um, and I guess whenever anybody drops out of a, the race, uh, the question is, who's next? Um, anybody want to make any predictions on who's next? Or is the field set for the caucuses? Todd? Anybody? Well, you, you might as well stick around now. There's only a month left. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. I, I, it does seem like uh, we're probably the folks who are in probably will stay at least through February 3rd. And I think some of the candidates need to let everybody know they're still in. Well, there's if that. They, if they are in. There is Michael that. Bennett needs to shoot up a flare. <laughs> he did, uh, let's see, he came out with a new policy or a new oh. ad or something the other day, and it was like, I, I didn't, yeah. It seems like he's gone all in on New Hampshire. We haven't seen much of Michael Bennett here lately in Iowa, but I, I think he's been doing a lot of events in New Hampshire. I, I think you're right, Jim. I don't, I don't know that anyone else, you mentioned Marianne Wilson, Williamson, she dumped her whole staff but says she's not dropping out of the race. Um, um, John Delaney has been polling poorly for this whole time, but he's obviously got the money to stick around. I, I, I don't see why he would, after pretty much literally four years of campaigning, um, I don't see why he would drop out with a month to go. Um, uh, so we may have our field uh, uh, right now, uh, unless someone else jumps in. Don't discount that. It's still happening. Well, well, there you go. I, yeah, yeah it's, there's still 30 days to. Holy smoke! Let's hope not. <laughs> well, I mean, Hillary, Bill. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. Yeah, Michelle Obama. Uh, yeah, I just I chill went up my spine <laughs> at, okay, the pro- well. at the prospect of more candidates. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just be thankful that we still don't have 20 candidates coming in the final month. Uh, of the caucus campaign. I mean, imagine that if, you know. Yeah. Only 14 now. Yeah. Where I, would we put them all? <laughs> well, exactly. We'd have to get out the card table and the little kids table. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Yeah. Be like Christmas or something. Anyway. So there's a lot of questions being answered before February 3rd or maybe not until February 3rd. Uh, is the Buddha Edge surge for real? What about Clomentum? Is Warren fading? Can Joe Biden salvage a top three finish in Iowa? When will the Booker surge begin? So, Todd, get us started. Based on your observations uh, of a few of these caucus campaigns, what should Iowans expect in the next 30 days? Well, they're going to be repeatedly accosted wherever they go by presidential candidates or their staff. So be ready for that. (laughs) You know, just just endure it because that's how that's why we stay first in the nation because we. You know, we can we can take it, but uh, you know, that's the question. Number one is who, you know, who's going to win? Obviously, Pete Buttigieg is polling ahead, but we've seen leaders a month out not be leaders on caucus night. We've, you know, there's a question of, as you said, Biden and Sanders. the The question for Biden is how we finish and what will he say next. Is that's always that's always one for his campaign to deal with. Uh, yeah, and then you've got. This, you know, the the notion that maybe somebody could come from nowhere and do well, or come from, you know, behind that top three or four and, and 
and do something on caucus night and and that's you know the question centers on amy klobuchar and and maybe cory booker will one of them catch you know get hot at the end as they mm-hmm. say so uh yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what their closing arguments are. I mean, will they, I, obviously Biden has talked a lot about beating Trump and that he's the best candidate to beat Trump. Uh, will Will Elizabeth Warren have new and surprising plans in the last 30 days? I don't, Is there anything she I hasn't don't, planned I, for? I don't know what else she could plan for, but <laughs> there's got to be something. Uh, maybe maybe they'll all have to have war with Iran plans by the, by the yeah. end of this. So... Uh, yeah, it'll, and that's the wild card. I mean, how how is that? How are the how are current events going to sway this mm-hmm. thing? And and if we do get into a military conflict with Iran, how does that change the calculus of a caucus goer as they look at these candidates? Does foreign policy suddenly become more important, which would would seem to play into Biden's mm-hmm. strengths and, and maybe Buttigieg, who's who's served. Right. So that's that that'll be that'll be something to watch. Amy, you, you've been watching the candidates uh, come through the Cedar Valley, uh, including a recent visit by Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, with all the talk about Klobuchar surging, Warren slipping, whether Biden can turn things around, Sanders seems to be kind of a, a steady eddy in this race. Is he comfortable with that, with, with where he is in the race? I'm sure he's very comfortable with that. I mean, he's, you know, just behind the front runner at this point. If we're talking about averages among Iowa caucus goers, you know, he's at 20%. So that's just behind Pete Buttigieg. I would say he's probably pretty comfortable. But I think with that is coming some, you know, looks from moderates, really, and, and maybe a little pushback. Because the first question he got at the Meskwaki settlement, what I went to uh, yesterday, um, was from a, a woman who asked how he would pay for, you know, these plans that are going to be pretty expensive without raising her taxes. And he kind of missed an opportunity there. You know, he really just talked about health care of the right and, you know, how expensive her health care currently is. So, you know, I think he's got to get uh, – better about addressing, you know, moderate questions at these types of things. Somebody else, Virgil Lasley of Tama, asked him about something that separates the progs from the mods. You know, what about the Republicans? How will your ambitious plans get passed in the face of this opposition? And Sanders didn't really say. You know, he said he would be an organizer-in-chief to elect more Democrats. And I asked Virgil after the event, you know, were you satisfied with that answer? And Virgil said, no way. You know, he didn't think Bernie was being very honest about the political division he feels is really gripping the country and will continue to grip the country probably far into the future. So there's definitely, you know, still a lot of support for Bernie. Um, Obviously, he just had his best fourth quarter fundraising of any Democratic candidate. Um, But, you know, with that is going to come some looks and some pushback from those moderates. So I think, you know, if if he's going to really do well going forward now in the last 30 days, he's really got to expect more of that. Yeah, that's likely, and especially uh, with his ambitious agenda, the question of how he's going to pay for it. That might signal that uh, you know people are really sort of getting down to decision time. It's not just the the ideas and what are you going to do, but how are you going to pay for it and how are you going to sell it to uh, people who aren't uh, true believers, I guess, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the those people that could swing the election. And if he can't even do that among... This Democratic Party, how is he going to do that with the full electorate? Absolutely. Brett, you've been busy over there in western Iowa. You had Klobuchar and Steyer uh, in the area this week. Uh, is Clomentum for real? Yeah, so I covered, she was here yesterday, uh, or both of them were actually here yesterday, and, and I 
covered her in an edit board, um, and which was followed by a town hall. And I, I didn't have, I had a really full day and I didn't have time to go cover that. I, I wish I'd been gone there and seen the crowd interactions and, you know, and talk to people there to see how they, they felt about her to, to kind of gauge that momentum. But, um, there is something that they came out overnight. Um, she came out with her fundraising report and she, um, over the fourth quarter, announced that uh, the Klobuchar team got, it was, I think it was 11 million, which uh, was double what they had gotten in the third quarter. So again, that's that's one way to, to maybe gauge some momentum, I guess, uh, in, in terms of, of donors. And and that's money that will allow her to ramp up in, you know, early states like Iowa and so on. And, and um, she, she, of course, she just, uh, completed the 99 county um, her goal of campaigning in all 99 counties and did that right around Christmas time and you know that's that's the kind of I don't know I guess dogged approach that that for the right candidate with the right message that that, that can get them a surge and so I mean yeah it's possible um, I know when when, um, when I, we spoke with her yesterday she was she was saying that she was seeing growth and you know and in, in, in these events and and then obviously what the what the fundraising showed overnight um, with that new release. And in talking to her, just one more thought on this, in talking to her yesterday, she didn't really shrink from the label of, of being a moderate um, in, in the field. And, and that, you know, gives for some Iowans who think like Sanders or, or Warren is, is a little too liberal and they want someone more, more centrist and maybe with a, with a Midwest, outlook, you know, then, then she's obviously a, a, a good option uh, for those people. Did, did you cover Tom Steyer's visit, too? Right. Last night as well. Uh-huh. Right. It, it's interesting that in talking to his campaign manager, she told me it would be naive to think that the field, including the top tier, will be the same on caucus night as it is today. Uh, is Steyer poised to surge into that top tier? Well, if... if um... <laughs> If uh, ads, you know, if campaign ads or, or, or any, you know, could accrue to the benefit of someone, my gosh, you know, that's, that's, uh, I don't watch a lot of TV, but, but it seems like it's, it's everywhere with, with him. And, and, you know, we've seen the, the dollar figures that he's, he's spent on those. And I, I will just say, um, I've, so I've covered him twice in the last three months that he's been here in Sioux City. The first time uh, was in October, and he was at a coffee shop, and it was about 60 people. Last night was more of a town hall format in a convention center, which is a, a bigger venue where the people of like Hillary Clinton have been. And Cory Booker was there a couple of weeks ago. And anyway, he drew 100 people there um, last night, and they were very engaged. And he stayed, and he asked. And he answered question after question after question, and it was it was the longest town hall I've, I've been at this cycle. And people really seem to connect. You know, I, I don't know that that means he's he's um, poised to surge, but um, you know, there always is. You know, someone who comes, I don't know what rises. You know, that we don't expect, or I, I wouldn't say like rise from the dead, like in the rise of Skywalker, where you have a Palpatine come back. You know, that, that no one saw. <laughs> saw coming, but, you know, <laughs> maybe there will be one of those candidates, perhaps. <laughs> uh, thank you for that uh, Star Wars reference. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm, sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I really apologize. Aaron, uh, you covered Joe Biden. <laughs> talked to him uh, yesterday over in Anamosa at the National Motorcycle uh, Museum, where Bernie Sanders will be campaigning today. Um, Biden was crowing about landing the coveted endorsement of Representative Abby Finkenauer, quote, one of the most coveted endorsements in Iowa and nationally, according to the Biden campaign. How important is the endorsement of a freshman congresswoman, and does that guarantee Biden one of the proverbial three tickets out of Iowa? 
Yeah, there might have been a little bit of campaign uh, hyperbole there. Uh, but before before I go on about Biden, <laughs> before I go on, I, I want to circle back and, and I tell you, I'm, Brett made a Star Wars joke and I am all fired up now and I'm ready to talk forever. Um, but, but, in, but in serious, I want I want to touch on a couple things he talked about uh, um, to add some description and, the, and then a funny story. Uh, the Klobuchar thing, you asked about the momentum. Um, I covered... I popped in on her event last night here in, in the Des Moines suburbs. Um, she had over 500 people. Uh, I talked to a couple campaign staffers and they were pretty sure that that was the biggest crowd that they've had for her yet. So we haven't had any state polling in Iowa in a long time now, so we don't have that to help us, um, you know, match what we're seeing anecdotally, but, but at least, you know, that's a, that is a sign that maybe things are building for her. And at the very least, more and more Iowa Democrats are, are giving her a look and, and considering her. Um, and then another thing Brett talked about was the Tom Steyer thing. So my daughter, uh, she'll be 14 in a couple weeks here. Her and her friends have this kind of running joke slash eye roll slash frustration with all the Tom Steyer ads that they see when they're watching their YouTube videos when they're and streaming and, and so so. Uh, so his digital strategy is working too. It's 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 annoying people that are too young to clock us anyway. So I guess that doesn't matter to him. Um, they, but they t- it's funny. I hear them talking all the time about, "Oh my God, not another Tom's Dyer ad." <laughs> so to circle back now um, uh, to, to your question uh, about Biden and, and the thinking our endorsement. Look, as we, as we always talk about, there's no clear um, um, data or evidence on how much any. Um, endorsement uh, matters and moves the needle in a campaign. As far as Iowa endorsements goes, this is this is a good one. I mean, it's a sitting congresswoman um, in a in an important district for Democrats. Um, uh, so so it's a good endorsement and 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 one you'd rather have than not. Um, does it help Joe Biden's campaign? Um, I I don't know for for Iowa Democrats who are undecided. Um, I don't know that Abby Finkenauer's endorsement helps them make that decision necessarily. I think it'll come down to other things, and, and Todd listed some of those. Um, so it's like I said, it's better to have it than not. But um, um, I don't know that it moves the needle in any great way um, in this primary. Todd, uh, does Finkenauer's endorsement of Joe Biden tell us anything about how she sees her path to reelection? Yeah, I think she wants to stay as close to the center as she can in a in a district that went to Trump last time and and she knows that you know her opponent likely Ashley Henson is going to run a campaign where they change Abby Finkenauer's name to Socialism Pelosi. So that's, you know, that's going to have to be something she thinks about. So you don't want to endorse Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or someone that you can that can tie you to Medicare for all and the AOC squad and all of that. She's sticking with Biden, who who campaigned for her and raised money for her in in 2018, and so this is probably some payback for that. And yeah, I agree with Aaron. I don't think it matters a lot to caucus goers. It's a nice bit of good news for the Biden campaign. They made a few headlines, but yeah, I think this is largely about Finkenauer trying to pick a presidential aspirant that that. Uh, you know, I think she thinks will wear better with the folks in her district and has stances that will wear better. I think it is interesting that she is the only uh, congressional Democrat from Iowa who has endorsed a candidate. Uh, I believe Dave Loebsack has said that he thinks he'll endorse a candidate. Uh, I, I don't know what Cindy Axney's plans are 
but uh, it, it's interesting that she has uh, um, been the first one to dive into those waters. Um, like Sanders, Cory Booker spent his New Year's Eve in Iowa. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren will be back this weekend. John Delaney, uh, as someone mentioned, is still campaigning. He's on a 40-stop send-a-message bus tour of towns no other candidate has visited. I'm not sure what the strategy <laughs> is there. Oh, I hope that, you know what? That's nice. <laughs> that's nice, yes. I, everybody needs to have a candidate visit. That's good for him. Uh, I hope someone is coaching him on the correct pronunciation of some of the names of those towns like Gaza uh, oh, yeah. and Tripola. Yeah, that's uh, going to be... Yeah. You know, that's a be, minefield. Yes, it is. Uh, you could really, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking back to Bill Richards in Macacota or Macacoquita whatever. Macacoquita or yeah. whatever he was. Yeah. <laughs> <Macocada>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to mispronounce the town name. But, and lest we forget, Andrew Yang is still raising lots of money and he's still running in Iowa, running behind Cory Booker, behind Tom Steyer, behind Amy Klobuchar. Um, you get the point. That's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it's been worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Send fan mail to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. And you can find us every week on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. The Kingsburys will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file and remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Aaron, Brett, Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Well, I can leave them at home when I have to Or I can bring them to school when I can And we smoke and we talk about killing some cops But I know you don't mean what he says And I want to be free but they won't let me be So I'm living a life for one who understands Sweet, sweet Man from the masses Sweet, sweet Man from the masses Times that I feel special. La, 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 la.